On this podcast clip, I had Tim Bratz on. For those of you who don't know Tim, he owns over 4,000 multifamily unit apartment buildings. Now, this clip is over a year old, and so this was before I personally started buying apartments, but it's good to look back at it because I can fully credit Tim with pushing me to pursue starting funds and buying apartment buildings. Without him, I wouldn't have did it. And in fact, shortly after this podcast clip, him and I bought our first apartment building together. So I think it's really cool to look back and see how he accumulated what he's accumulated and then be able to see what kind of actually happened after this podcast episode. So if you're looking into investing in funds or syndication or potentially starting your own, I think you're going to like this clip. You know, I guess for our audience who's unfamiliar with you, why don't you give them a brief backstory of how the heck did you get to 4,800 rental units? Well, here's the thing, man. I am a blue collar kid from Cleveland, Ohio, right? Like I, I, my dad was a cop. My mom was a teacher. I went to public school, grew up in a B class neighborhood and, um, you know, worked, worked hard at school, was told to go to school, get good grades. You can get a good job, that whole story. And, um, my dad was a full-time police officer, but he had this part-time business uh, that was like personnel security that would help out with, you know, essentially the personnel at uh, a hotel or at a foundry or a factory or at an apartment building in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, he made more in his part-time business than he did in his full-time job. And, you know, he's telling me to go to school, get a good grades, get a good job. And I'm like, but dad, you're making two, three times as much money in your part-time business than you are in your full-time job. So it just... I was at least aware enough to, that it didn't equate in my mind that uh, I should go and get a good job. I, thought, I was like, I want to be a business owner. And so um, it was an, early on, it was about the money, right? And so when I went to college, I tried finance and then I went into marketing. And um, when I was in college, 03 to 07, the market was going crazy. Everybody's making money in real estate. And if you had a pulse, if you could fog a mirror, you could make a lot of money in real estate. And, um, and so that was what motivated a 20 year old kid. And so when I graduated from college in 2007, I moved out to New York city. My brother was living out there and I thought you got involved in real estate. Um, kind of, I think like you did when you got a real estate license. And so I went and got my license and I started brokering commercial real estate leases. So I'd either represent a business that wanted a, an office or a retail space, or I represented a landlord who was marketing their office or their retail space to a business. And, um, you know, I got, dude, I got the bottom of the barrel leads. I got like all the garbage on side streets in the rough parts of, of New York. And uh, while I was going through that, it took me like eight or nine months to close my first deal. And on the first transaction I closed, which was a dumpy little 400 square foot space, kind of like the size of this, I mean, of this room that we're in right now, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, we signed a lease on a 12 year term at $10,000 a month <laughs> for a 400 square foot place for 400 square feet <laughs> with 4% annual increases. And you start, you know, as a 22 year old you know, money hungry kid. I start doing the math on this. I, you know, punching into the calculator. I'm like, this landlord off of this one space and he had eight retail spaces. This is one of them, the smallest one. And he had 15 stories of apartments above it. I'm like, this dude's going to make almost $2 million over the next 12 years for doing something once. Yeah. And that's really when the idea of residual income resonated with me. And I was like, I'm on the wrong side of the coin. Instead of brokering real estate, I need to be owning real estate. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old in New York City. I can't do anything there. Uh, at least I didn't think I could. And so I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina in 2008. In 2008, summer of 08, I moved down to Charleston and I'm just like learning everything, right? I'm trying to study real estate. I'm trying to learn about wholesaling. I'm plugging into all these different events and uh, buying these courses and, and just studying everything. 
and I'm ready to go out and buy my first uh, property. And, and all of a sudden, like the 08 market crashes and just like yeah. cr- comes crumbling down. And uh, I'm like the kid who just showed up to the party and everybody's running out the back door. And I was like, Where, where's everybody going? You know? And uh, but it was actually really good timing because I think if I didn't, if I would have gotten into real estate before that, I would have done something stupid. I would have done like the no doc loans, the stated income, said I made a bunch of money, but I really didn't and got a bunch of money from the banks, bought it a bunch of speculative garbage real estate and um, probably would have gotten my butt handed to me. But fortunately, I got in, I bought my first property in, I think it was April of 2009 uh, after the market tanked and just scoured the MLS, found the cheapest house on the entire MLS and um, it was listed at $25,000 for a duplex in the hood uh, of Charleston, South Carolina. And that was that was exciting because it was only 25 grand. The only problem was I was nobody's given $25,000 to a kid who's never done a deal before, who's 23 years old and in the worst housing recession in the history of the country. Um, So that was the hurdle. And I think a lot of people would be like, oh, you know what? Nobody's going to give me money. And then they, they make a statement to themselves and they just accept that statement. I think one of the things that I've always done is instead of telling myself I couldn't do something or whatever, I would ask myself a question of how can I do it? And I think when you ask yourself good, like progressive type questions like that, I think it leads you down a road of better questions and better answers. And um, I'm like, all right, well, how could I get $25,000? Well, I could talk to my friends. Well, they're all drunk at bars spending all their money. (laughs) And or I go to my family. They know me from, you know, uh, toilet papering houses in high school and like yeah. getting drunk in college. They're not going to give me any money. So like, where can I get money? And I'm thinking, and I, you know, I was like, uh, I look at my, my, my wallet and I have a credit card, right? And MasterCard was giving me $3,000 at the time, um, essentially on my credit card limit. So I was like, maybe I'll just call up MasterCard and see if they'll give me a bigger limit. And so I called them up and I said, Hey, will you give me an increase. I'm about to make a big purchase. I need you to increase the limit on my card. Um, and the lady on the other line is like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been, you've been a great customer since, uh, you signed up last year or whatever. And uh, how much, how much of an increase do you need? And I was like, $100,000. I've and, done that. <laughs> I know exactly what you did. <laughs> and, and she laughed in my face and she's like, well, you've been a great customer for about 15 months, but not enough to, to not that great. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, well, how much can you give me? She's like $15,000. I was like, all right. Yeah. yeah Deal. That's, that's cool too. So, uh, so I go, you know, I got 15 grand access to money and I had a couple thousand, probably four or five grand saved up from New York. And, um, and so I make the offer on the property and you got to go in low, right? Like I went in at 12,000, they came back at 20. I went up to 14, which was like my maximum allowable. And, uh, and uh, they ended up accepting it. So I bought it with a balance transfer check on my credit card. I physically did all the work to it. it took me about, um, I don't know. 60, 75 days in order to go through that whole process to paint and change out the flooring. I'm Google searching and, and YouTubing videos on how to change carpet out and fixtures and this stuff. And, um, like literally paying my buddies in beer and pizza kind of a thing in order to help me out on this and turn around. I host an open house, had a bunch of the neighbors come out, put up bandit signs and flyers. And, uh, the neighbors came out one of the neighbors made me an offer for $33,000. I was Mm. all in for about 19. So after closing costs, I netted about a little over $13,000 on that deal. And I was like, dude, I'm a punk 23-year-old kid. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just made money. It's the worst housing recession ever. Like, like obviously, you know, yeah. let's let's figure this whole thing out. Let's go do it again. So I did it again, did it again, got it heavy into wholesaling. And then, you know, I think as you as you're going out and you build an expertise in something, 
you start meeting other people who see and respect you for that expertise. And they knew that I could find a good deal. They knew that I had a good work ethic. And I started meeting people who said, hey, Tim, you, ha- you can go find the deals. You can operate those deals. How about I bring the money and we'll figure out some sort of a split? And that's how I got my first private money lenders was um, – you know, we essentially did like a 50-50 split on the first handful of deals that I did, my first handful of rentals. And uh, I did all the work. And then after about 12 months, I refinanced, paid them back, paid them off. And then I held on to the properties myself. And um, that was the the start of, of getting my, my portfolio built up. So let's, let's talk about this one deal, man. Where did it come from? Like, how did you get to this? Hun- I, I mean, I get how you got to the 100 million level. How'd you find this deal? Like, how did you structure it? Like, how much money did you have to raise everything? Uh, so this one's this one's a little bit, this one's different, right? I think, dude, I, I remember watching a guy named Dave Lindahl grow and he got, he was like on this tear to get to 7,000 doors or something like this. Uh, when I first got started in real estate, I was like, I can't even comprehend 7,000 doors, right? I think it's hard for people to comprehend 5,000 or 4,800 doors. Like how do you get the first hundred, right? How do you get the first 200 uh, units? Um is it okay if I kind of backtrack and yeah, kind of yeah. talk about that first? Um, so, like the way that I structure deals, you're, you're, I, I've seen your education on the Burr method, right? Like right. you've told people about the Burr method. The Burr method is buy, renovate, rent, refinance, rinse and repeat, right? So you buy a house and you're all into that house for let's call it I don't know one hundred fifty thousand dollars. It then appraises for two fifty. You get a seventy five percent or a 70% loan to value on it. So they give you $175,000. You take that 175, you pay yourself back or you pay back your hard money lenders, you put a little bit of cash in your pocket and then you have long-term debt on that rental property and you hold on to it and you let the tenant continue to pay rent. You make some cash flow on it, covers all your operating expenses, pays down your mortgage and the property appreciates over time. It is a remarkable method and to build a lot of wealth on the single family side. I'm a single family guy. It's what the world that I come from. I've never taken a class on commercial real estate. So when I got involved in commercial and got started, got, started getting into apartments, I just took the same methods, dude. The same methods to find off-market deals, the same methods on how I raised money and how I financed deals, and the same Burr method that I was doing on the single family. I just took it and started doing it with apartments. So the difference is you're adding a zero. And instead of a, a you know, a $250,000 house, I'm buying a $2.5 million building that I'm all into for $1.5 million. And then I turn around, I refinance it, they give me a new loan at $1.75 million. I pay back uh, my acquisition financing, I pay back my private money lenders. Um, and here's what that looks like. If I'm all into something for $1.5 million, let's say uh, you know the acquisition financing, like the bank financing, the construction loan, they'll give me about 80% of that money. So they'll give me about $1.2 million of the $1.5 and then I have to go and raise three hundred grand. That three hundred thousand dollars can come from one person who brings three hundred grand, or it could come from six six people that bring fifty thousand a piece. That's called syndicating. So when you hear about people syndicating real estate, that's what they're talking about. They're they're pooling other people's money together, and you're creating a security. You got to stay SEC compliant. You're doing the right thing by putting all the right documents together and all that. And um, dude, it not only covers the investor's ass, but it also covers your ass in the whole fundraising side. So. I'll go get a bank loan for 1.2. I'll raise 1.3 month. I'm sorry. I get a bank loan for 1.2. I'll raise 300,000 from investors. And with that 1.5 million total, I'll buy and renovate the apartment building. 
That process can take anywhere from 12 to 36 months on average, depending on the size of the building. Uh, maybe even sometimes less, depending on, on how stable or unstable it was. And then the idea is, let's call it 24 months later, I go back to the bank, a new bank, probably Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You can go to like uh, insurance companies. You can go to CMBS, Commercial Mortgage Backed Securities, and you can go get a loan that's a non-recourse loan, fixed interest rate, um, you know, 30-year amortization schedule, 25-year amortization schedule with like a 10-year balloon payment that's due. And, um, and you can go and put long-term debt in place on this asset. So now I'm, on, I'm all into it for 1.5. It then is worth 2.5 million two years later. They give me a 70% loan on it. That's uh, 1.75 million. With that 1.75, 1.2 goes back to the bank. 300 goes back to the investors. And then there's $250,000 of non-taxable refinance proceeds that I carve up between me, my joint venture partners, and any sort of equity investors, passive lenders that were in that deal. And then we have, we do, we've taken all of our chips off the table, right? Now it's just house money in play. It's long-term debt. All of our investors are paid back. Now we can hold onto the property for as long as we want, right? And then future Ryan can make a decision on what to do with that property 10 years down the road based on where the market is. So that's, that's the Burr method with apartments is, is essentially my entire business model. And if I can recycle my investor capital every 24 months, dude, then I can just roll you into another deal, roll you into another deal. And all of a sudden, over the next five years, we're in, or 10 years, we're in, the, we're in five different deals together. And you've made a good fixed return on your money. And you get these pops of refinance proceeds and you get residual income from the cash flows and you get depreciation to offset those cash flows. And then in the future, we sell the property, you get more big pops. Like, dude, that's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, powerful method on building a lot of wealth. And now it's just how many times can you do it, right? Like just double down, just keep on doing it, keep on doing it. And it's turned into something that's almost like boring for us because we've done it so many times. But the most successful business owners that I know have boring ass businesses. (laughs) It's just repetitive. They can do it in their sleep and it's just, but it prints cash, right? The like once you get to a point in your business where it's just boring, that's when, you know, like that's when really the profits are rolling in in a big way. So I I see a lot of people who like jump ship and they like, "Ah, it's boring. I want to go do something else. No, dude, double down, keep your head down and Mm -hmm. just, and just work harder. Cause then it just starts printing cash out. So, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, but that's, that's my business model. Right. And so I just did that with this big apartment building. The, we're all into it for about 77 million and, uh, or we will be all into it for about 77 million and it'll be worth about $106 million when it's all said and done. And so we'll go get an 80% loan to value loan on it in probably three to four years. It's a big deal. It's a, it's like 600 doors. Um, so we'll go get a new, uh, loan on it at that time, pay back our acquisition financing, pay back our private money lenders, and then we just have house money in play. So it's, dude, it's the exact same thing, just as a much larger scale. Thanks for watching that clip from the Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to see the full interview, you can actually find it in the link below. Make sure you're also subscribed on both YouTube and Apple Podcasts.